Welcome to the garage. My name is Brian Sanchez, and this is the F1 Rundown podcast. Going to break down the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And oh man, it wouldn't be a Formula One race if there wasn't massive controversy about some rules enforcement, rule breaking, rule books quoting, and technicalities which is exactly what we got at the end of this 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. We'll get into all of that here in a moment, but I want to break down and run down the events of the weekend. And, you know, it, it was shaping up coming in to be another par for the course kind of weekend where the Red Bulls were just kind of sail away with it. And, you know, Max Verstappen being the favorite in the race, as he will probably be the entire season. Uh, and then Q2 comes around and he just shatters a drive shaft in the middle of his first qualifying run and is unable to put in a time. And those are the kind of things that really just blow the lid off the entire proceedings of qualifying and the Formula One weekend. Max Verstappen, the world championship leader, the reigning world champion, will start the race in P15. And it opened it up for his teammates to take pole. And for the Red Bulls, or excuse me, the Aston Martins and the Ferraris and the Mercedes of the world to kind of maybe salvage some points and, and make things difficult for the reigning world champion. And so, you know, right off the bat, we've got a phenomenal storyline. Charles Leclerc taking a 10, you know, spot grid penalty for, you know, components and stuff. And so like the, the, the two world championship favorites, if you will, starting at the midfield with tons of cars in front of them, and the start was shaping up to be a wildly chaotic one. I was fully expecting there to be a safety car within the first five laps of this race, and to my surprise, there was not. It was a fairly clean start. I really expected the likes of Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen to be really pressing as hard as they can right from the get-go to try to make up as many points as they could in those first laps. But the complete opposite happened. Both of them sort of took their time, were patient, let the field kind of spread out a little bit, and then about five or six laps into the race, particularly Max Verstappen, starts putting his foot down and picking off cars one at a time, making his way up through the field. But in all honesty, uh, Max Verstappen going from 15th to second in the race is not the huge headline of this weekend because you may have already seen, and as, as I alluded to, massive rules controversy. Fernando Alonso starts the race and lining up on the grid, he is clearly outside of his starting grid box. He's really far over to the right, hanging halfway out of the pit box, so he's out, or the grid box, so he's out of position and is deemed to have an illegal start. And so he is given a five-second penalty to have to serve before the end of the race. Happens all the time for stuff like this. No worries. He was actually showing very, very good pace and so didn't seem to really mind or to really have be a problem. Comes in with a safety car later on in the race caused by his teammate, uh, Lance Stroll, by the way, uh, and gets a little fortunate and gets to serve that five-second penalty under a safety car. So he's not losing as much time, but 
he still is stationary for those five seconds, and the mechanics are not allowed to work on the car during that five-second penalty time. And this is where the controversy comes in. Because on the replay, during Alonzo serving his penalty, you can clearly see that the rear jack man does not lift the car up, but definitely puts the jack into position and makes contact with the car. And that is on lap like 18, 19 of 50. But Fernando serves his five second penalty. All things are fine. Gets back out there. Loses a little bit of position, but no worries. Not that much damage. Nothing he can't manage and handle. And the rest of the race goes on. And he's holding firm in that second place spot as Max Verstappen starts to pick his way through the field, getting back up towards the front. And eventually Max takes Fernando Alonso as well and ends up in P2 with Fernando Alonso finishing the race in P3. But with about one lap to go, someone from the satellite control board, the FIA, says, hang on a minute, there may be an incident here. And viewing on the replay, it seems that maybe the mechanics touched Fernando Alonso's car during that five-second penalty. And this is where the controversy lies, because yes, it was clear and obvious on the replay from the jump that the rear jack man came in and touched the car with the jack during the penalty. But in the rules, it does not specifically say that you cannot touch the car. The wording of the rule, I'm going to get it out here because, you know, this is, this is room and, and, and ground for nitpicking here. Uh... But the rule states, I'm going to read it word for word here, the article pertaining to serving five-second serving penalties in the, in the pits. Uh, Whilst a car is stationary in the pit lane as a result of incurring a penalty in accordance with articles 54.3a or 54.3b above, uh, it may not be worked on until the car has been stationary for the duration of the penalty. Those are the words, specifically, in the rule. So what constitutes working on the car? Does touching the car, stabilizing it in the grid box, count as working on the car? And I guess initially the FIA said yes, that 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 constitutes working on the car. And if that's how the rule is going to be enforced, then so be it. But The way that these sort of things are adjudicated, it seems to be that there's more of a sort of a general agreement that that's what that means, but it has never officially in writing been deemed that touching the car constitutes working on the car. And in true Formula One fashion, Aston Martin came with apparently seven other examples of cars serving stop-and-go penalties in the pit lane while the mechanics did the exact same thing that they did and were not penalized for it. And so after the celebrations had already gone and and the trophies had been awarded and Fernando Alonso was on the podium for what 
inevitably is his 100th podium in his career, the FIA took the trophy away. And they even got so far as to handing it to George Russell, who crossed the line in fourth, and Mercedes took a picture of him with the third place trophy and posted it on their social medias. After Alonso was given an additional 10 second penalty. But then, hours after the race, after the appeals process, the FIA retracted the penalty and awarded third place in the race back to Fernando Alonso. This was like, I mean, it was like eight o'clock at night at this point. I mean, you know, in, in Saudi Arabia, I don't even know, I don't know what time it was, but this is like early hours of the morning, I'm sure at this point. And I'm sitting, I'm watching TV with my wife, you know, we're, we're, we're winding down in the afternoon and, and I had been kind of halfway following it. And I saw that, you know, hours after the race was over and the, you know, podiums had been cleared and everything that they had awarded third place to George Russell. Uh, I'm just scrolling on Twitter and I see a handful of people saying Alonzo's back in third. The penalty has been rescinded and it's just, it's borderline comical. It really, really is. I understand that Formula One is a wildly complex sport. There's so many things, rules, regulations, people moving around, so many things that are happening so fast that it's almost impossible to be making sure that you're watching everything all the time. But how is it that we've had two races in 2023, and both races have had the exact same issue when it comes to officiating regulations, serving pit lane penalties, because this is exactly what happened to Esteban Ocon last week in Bahrain. He got penalized for uh, starting the race incorrectly and then came in to serve his pits and the team touched the car and he was penalized again. So I, I, I just, I don't understand how this is happening, you know, two weeks in a row where there's an infringement and it takes almost an hour, two hours, sometimes five, six, seven, eight hours before there's a decision on what happened. It's, it's, it's a bit of a joke. I'm not going to lie. Look for, a lot of people, they're talking about, you know, how do you fix this? There's probably going to be some kind of regulatory change, some clarification of the rules, uh, a formalized definition of what constitutes working on the car. Uh, and if, you know, if they want to let the jacks get into position but not lift the car off the ground, if that's the rule, fine. That's how we're going to do it. If I personally think the easiest thing to do would just be that if you're not allowed to work on the car, Take that out and just, you're not allowed to touch the car. It's the easiest, cleanest, obvious thing to see that like no one's touching the car during that five second penalty. Uh, and then actually have someone from the FIA there, a referee of some kind with a stopwatch or some kind of uh, electronic device, something that can actually measure how long the car is stationary and then give them a green light to be able to go ahead and start the pit stop but make it uniform across the way because this is getting insane. Track limits is another one that has been officiated very, very strangely over the past few years. 
drivers are constantly concerned and 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 wondering about you know what constitutes track limits. What's you know is it the white line? Is it everything over the white line? Is it one wheel over the white line? Is it two? Is it you know as long as you've got some part of the car still touching the track? Is it the 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 red and white lines? I mean, it's just it's a joke. They need to formalize some of these things that have, for the most part in the past, been very much sort of wishy-washy, you know, general understandings, but open to interpretation. They need to formalize a lot of these things. And I think it's coming. I think these are growing pains of a growing sport. But if F1 wants to be taken seriously and be you know, the, the amazing sport that it is worldwide and continue to grow, they have to make it easier for the casual fan to understand what's happening. And if they tune in next week without listening to podcasts and following the press releases of the, you know, the FIA and Formula One and the teams, you know, they need to know what happened and they need to be able to remember what happened and be able to call it back. So I, I just, I, I understand it's difficult, but they need to clear up these things. And I think they will. I do think that the FIA is learning and, 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 and growing and hopefully they're open to, you know, the suggestions and criticism that they're getting a lot from outlets just like us and, and, and Sky Sports and the places around the world that cover the sport. Um, FIA, Formula One, please simplify the process, simplify the rules, and just let us know what's going on and just stick with it. Outside of that, though, the race was... You know, I mean, it, it was exciting at times. It had its moments. You know, Kevin Magnuson fighting with Yuki Sonoda at the very end of the race for the last points spot. Kind of fun to watch. Wheel-to-wheel moments with the uh, McLarens there fighting for nothing whatsoever out of the points and battling and the team having to, you know, team orders tell Lando to not fight with Oscar so much. Kind of weird. It's kind of sad. Again, more woes for uh, the McLarens. Ferrari with more strategy mistakes or issues and some communication stuff. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Ferrari next uh, episode, probably on Wednesday, because I we need to dive into it. But the problems are still there, it seems, at Ferrari, getting caught out with some tire strategy toward the end. Uh, and, you know, with reliability problems that the, you know, Red Bulls and the uh, Ferraris seem to have, as much of a dog as that Mercedes W14 is, it's another two t- cars in the points again, two weeks in a row. Towards the front of the grid, I mean, they are in second place in the Constructors' Championship right now with that dog of a car. Again, we think that there's a B-Spec version of the W14 coming. Rumors keep circulating that some kind of upgrades for Spain and maybe a full-blown B-Spec by round 11 at Silverstone. So we'll see what kind of shape they're in, and maybe they they can still hang on to second with uh, the woes going on at Ferrari and, and stuff. It's a long shot, but man, ugh, Ferrari's frustrating. Very, very frustrating. But yeah, that's going to do it for today. What was y'all's favorite part of the race? Uh, me personally, I think 
watching Checo get to win that race in the dominant way that he was and, and did was probably my favorite moment of the race. Uh, there was a brief moment there where my friends in the group chat, like a lot of us are uh, very big Sergio Perez fans. And uh, they were suggesting that, you know, maybe if if uh, Max got close enough to Checo that maybe they would give him some team orders to let Checo through or to let Max through. Uh, and if if it look at any point this year, if Checo is told to let Max through, I really really hope that he has Max's words memorized from Brazil last year, uh, and basically in not so many words tell them to f off. But I digress. A great win for Checo, a great win for Red Bull, a dominating performance. Clearly. The cream of the crop, top of the field. Uh, I don't think anyone's touching the Red Bulls uh, this year outside of reliability problems, some kind of weird strategy problem, or a mistake by one of those drivers. I think every race this year is probably going to be contended by one of the Red Bull drivers. So week in and week out, look and see who we think is going to be in P3 uh, coming in. So uh, the only thing that's left to do is to hand out our most dope award. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Max Verstappen fan, if you couldn't tell, but I have to hand it to him. A phenomenal drive showing patience, showing determination and skill and the ability of that Red Bull to just wax the floor with everyone. Uh, so as much as I would love to give it to Checo for winning the race in a dominant fashion, the most impressive performance of the weekend for me was Max Verstappen. In round two, the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, Max Verstappen, you are the most dope. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for me today. Again, tune in on Wednesday. We're going to discuss uh, the Ferrari situation. Uh, more woes there. Uh, we'll deep dive into tire strategies. What were they thinking? And uh, communication stuff. But until then, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Leave us a review, like, and follow along for some more F1 shenanigans. Uh, video versions of this podcast will come soon along with uh, some other projects. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We'll see you guys around. And as always, one love.